Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we will explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's uh, workshop on creating high school transcripts for homeschoolers who are going through high school. Uh, Joining me today are a couple of good friends, Tender and Sheila, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves in just a minute. My name is Judy, uh, and I am Sunlight's Marketing Sales Coordinator. I'm also a veteran homeschool mom, and I have been through this transcript process with three uh, children who are now uh, all post-college graduates and pretty amazing adults. So um, I'm here to tell you that this is not as hard as it sounds. (laughs) So good morning, Tender. How about if you introduce yourself, please? Thank you, Judy. Yes, I am currently in the trenches. I have um, I have four children all together and we've homeschooled from the beginning. And so my oldest is a senior and will graduate in May of this year. So very exciting times here. And then I also have a second high schooler, my daughter younger than him. She is a sophomore. And then um, my younger two, Elijah and Truth, um, Elijah's in eighth grade. So he's on the brink of being a high schooler. And so currently in the trenches doing it. So having lots of fun. Great. Well, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Sheila. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Good morning. So I have three and they are all out of school. Um, My oldest one, uh, he homeschooled through halfway through ninth grade and then wanted to go to a private school. So I had to create a transcript for his, for him going into high school. So Mm -hmm. I got, I got thrown into it quickly And then the other two did homeschool all the way through high school and I created transcripts for them and they both got into the college of their choice. Actually, they both got into the honors program in the college of their choice. So three transcripts completed for all three kids. Awesome. Well, good. This is a topic that lots of people have questions about. So we're going to jump right in. Um, let's just make sure that we're all talking on the same page. What is a transcript and, and why do you need one for a student? So I remember when I was first thinking about transcripts was when my oldest was going into seventh grade and I was realizing that high school was looming on the horizon. And when we first started homeschooling, he was in kindergarten and it seemed so far away and we took things one year at a time and I didn't know that I would, you know, home, homeschool through high school, but one year at a time here, here we were on high school's door. So I started in seventh grade by reading um, Kathy Cohen's book, The Homeschoolers College Admissions Handbook, great resource. And because I knew that my, um, my job title was going to change from primary teacher to Um, high school guidance counselor, and I needed to know what all the things were. And it was in this book that I learned that transcripts are really just a resume of your child's high school um, program. So resumes just 
are just that. They, they kind of summarize what, uh, what your job history is. And for high schoolers, it's the summary of their high school classes. I think that is how I would define a transcript. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, do you, what do we use them for, Tender? We are using them to submit to college applications. And then um, currently, like what I've been doing here with mine is uh, my son, Charles, he has done dual credit classes, which I know we'll address here in just a little bit. And so I'm actually, they have a, they want an updated transcript every semester to see what classes he's working on. So it shows sometimes I'm, you know, it has credit uh, on the transcript. It'll say, um, like a credit to be earned and then when it's accomplished. And so I, they can kind of look at it and see what he's currently taking this year. And then, you know, and then as a semester ends, if he's been taking college classes, I'm putting that grade in there so that they can see it. Of course, if it's their college class, they have, they know, mm -hmm. um, as well, but I'm giving that information to them. I think it's good to point out that even if your student doesn't currently have um, post high school plans to go to college, a transcript is still a valuable tool. Um, branches of the military require a transcript. Mm -hmm. um, there are some tech or votech schools that want to see a transcript. I've even heard some people who step out of high school into the workforce, their employers ask to see some sort of transcript or synopsis of what um, your student has accomplished through high school. So just like Sheila said, it's really your child's school career resume. So very valuable process to learn. So where do we start? Um, I would say in order to generate a transcript, you have to have grades. So let's talk a little bit about grading. How in the world do you grade high school courses? What do you guys think? Well, I've been so grateful that, you know, in a way we, uh, I started preparing them a little bit in junior high and, you know, and we start in math is always one where we started, but I still didn't really keep grades necessarily until, you know, seventh or eighth grade that I was like, we really need to be working and knowing what a grade is, turning in work, knowing the deadlines as a prep for college, knowing that that's where we were headed. I know that that's not everybody is going to be on that track, but preparing them for what does it look like to take a class and turn in your work and then get a grade. Um, so we started working that on that in seventh and eighth grade, but then for, for real, it starts in um, as we are in high school. And so then taking, you know, whatever math curriculum they're working on, you know, they have their daily grades and then they have like their test grades and you're going to uh, keep all that to generate an overall course grade of what did they do for algebra one or for geometry. Mm -hmm. My kids were, um, we, we didn't do grades when they were younger. We were just about mastery. So we, or yeah. when they were very young, it was more introductory. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't until middle school when we started to participate in a highly academic college prep co-op. And it's more traditional classroom type of a setting with a teacher and students and um, quizzes and writing assignments and tests and things like that. So they, start, they, got, uh, they got to learn about 
um, studying for tests and getting grades and improving their grades and things like that. At the junior high level, I really appreciated that they got to do it then because it was like training wheels for high school when it counts, when the grade really counts. So that's when we started. So even if you're not participating in a co-op, I would recommend just starting it then and having the conversation with your child. This is what grades do. This is what we're evaluating. It's a form of evaluation and you will be evaluated in your workspace. You will have you know, a, a, an annual evaluation and your um, promotions will be based on that evaluation. So you need to learn that, um, that people are going to be evaluating you. And so if you, if you start doing that at the junior high level, that gets them ready for high school when those grades are going to count for the future, for college admissions and, you know, military or whatever. Sure. One of the things that I did with my high school students to get them ready for college, much like you guys have described, I would create at the beginning of each high school year a syllabus. Just like you would get from a, a class professor in a college setting, um, I would outline for my student, you know, what this is what we're going to do this year. Here are the requirements for my course. Um, here's what you have to do in order to pass my course. Um, here are deadlines. So basically what I was doing was setting the expectations up front. Um, so we didn't get partway through the year and I had a student who looked at me and said, but I didn't know this was due here or you didn't tell me we're going to grade that way. And then I could just point them back to this uh, document that really provided all that information for them. It also did something for me too. It helped me to stay consistent with my expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also helped with the grading because I created a grading chart. This is what will earn you an A or a 4.0. This is what will earn you a B. Um, and so we started our first, our freshman year of high school with all that information up front. And I think it's, it's not a bad idea, both for the student and for the teacher. Yeah, and that's true. And, you know, and different teachers have different grading requirements. So some teachers, 96 to 100 is an A. Some teachers, 94 to 100. Some is 90 to 100. So you, you as the teacher, get to set what that grading scale is. And then I would say be, be consistent throughout. You know, that way it's important for the student to know that each person is going to be different and they need to figure out how to please the teacher, because one day they're going to have to figure out how to please their employer. And, you know, that may not be the way you would do it, but this is the way they want it done, the teacher, the employer. And so you have to accommodate that. So, so I think having a grading scale like that is important so that they, they know what the expectation is. We didn't do that in our homeschool. I mean, obviously at the co-op they did. I homeschooled the English and the history portion and they did math and science at the co-op because I didn't like that. And um, in my homeschool, we kept going until you got it. So you're getting an A dad gummit because we, we just didn't give up, you know? And in fact, that older child who decided to go to, to high school, 
he later said, mom, school was easier than homeschooling. <laughs> I had a high standard. What can I say? So, so and yeah. that's a good, and that's a good point to make. Um, Skill-based subjects like math and science, um, those subjects that generate regular testing or evaluation, those are easy to grade. Um, you get them wrong, then that drops the grade. And if you get them right, then that ups the grade. But when you're talking about literature-based subjects like history or um, literature itself, those are not quite as black and white or cut and dried. Um, and so that's part of creating you know, a grading uh, chart or at least setting the expectation you know, you will get an A in this history course if you read the following titles and complete the assignments that are tied to them. Um, and so it's just however you decide, there's no one right way, but however you decide, especially for those literature-based, non-skill-based subjects, you need to let your students know that up front. Yes. Um, so they know what they're aiming at. They have to have a goal. Correct. And just like, you know, if they were in the classroom, like the history and the literature, um, you know, if they are, well, for the history, a lot of, you know, we're going to have discussion times. And if you are participating and you have, you have read the material and you know the material and we can have a conversation about that, that is showing proficiency in, mm -hmm. in learning the material that we're doing. And so that is, you know, setting those expectations of this is what the A is going to look like is that can we sit down um, and, and discuss these and go over the questions that Sunlight provides us. And if we're able to con um, have a conversation and we can dialogue all this, this is gonna show me that you have learned the material. And I, am, and I have never produced and had him do a history exam or anything with the Sunlight. Cause I feel like if he is able, if we can have conversations about it and he can, um, we can talk critically about what we're reading he is understanding the material that was given to him. Yeah, same, same here. And I think something to mention here, especially if this is your first time with a high school student, you get to decide what those parameters are, what those expectations are. You are the teacher and you have the knowledge of your student and of the curriculum materials that you're going to use. And, and I'll give you an example. When I took my first high schooler through Sunlight's high school programs, um, I, I took a list at the literature that was uh, part of that very first program. And I thought, wow, that is a lot of books to read. When I was a freshman in high school and I took an American history course, we probably read two, maybe three books tops in, in my American lit class, four, one per quarter. Um, and we're talking anywhere from 20 to 25 books. And so there's nothing wrong with saying, here's the literature for this class, but in order to pass my American Lit class, you have to complete 10 of these books, including the assignments that are tied with them. Um, I'm gonna pick two and you get to pick the other eight, You know, give your high schooler some buy-in. Um, but if that's a decision or a path you decide to take, you totally have the right or the authority or whatever and should have the confidence to say, this is what I want our high school class to look like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I had, to, I had to tweak. So the two that were at home and went through high school at home, um, 
the one child was a prolific reader and read every single title in every level that he did the high, you know the sunlight literature portion the daughter is dyslexic and there was no way i knew she was not going to be able to handle the quantity of reading so i tailored the program for her does that mean that she made a c when he made an a because he read all the books and she didn't no because i tailored it for her um, and I knew her level of ability. And that's the beauty of homeschooling is that you can tailor it for your child. Is that cheating? No, you are the teacher. You get to call the shots. And this year you're doing it this way. And this year you're doing it a different way. Just as if you were a public school teacher and you taught it one way one year and realized, wow, that was a lot of material. I better tone it down for next year. And then you tweak it. It's, it's okay. <laughs> yes. Yep. So we just want to really instill that confidence that um, this, this is your decision to make. Yes. And whatever you decide is the right decision. And nothing says, you, like Sheila said, you can't tweak it as you go along because you certainly can. Um, right. But have confidence in the decisions that you make. So let's, let's talk now about that document, that uh, transcript um, what's required on a transcript? What has to be there? And how do we get all that information together? So one of the things that I learned was that you need to use educationese mm -hmm. because just like a legal document has legalese, it doesn't make any sense to us, but to a lawyer, it makes all kinds of sense. Um, educationese has certain words that are like buzzwords to people in the system. So official transcript <laughs> should, or at least the word transcript should be on your document because a person who is working in the admissions office is going to be looking for, what is this piece of paper that I got? Oh, it's the transcript, okay. And they know what that means and what mm -hmm. and where to classify that. So that is, it's as silly as that sounds. And I like to, you know, you, you can put it in like some really pretty font or something like that to make it look really official. Um, but I think, you know, having a title at the top is important. Um, some other really important things are of course, name, address, all the identifiers, who it's for, date of birth. Some people put social security number. I did not because in this day and age, um, identity theft is a thing. And if they want it, it'll be on the official application. So mm -hmm. I, you don't have to include it on the transcript. Uh, we did include parent names, um, contact information, email addresses. Back in my days, there wasn't, that was not a, a line item, but nowadays it is, phone numbers. Um, and then of course, course descriptions, like the actual classes that they're taking. Um, the grade that they are getting for the class, the credit that they got for that class. And then if you wanted to do like a cumulative GPA, you can do that. On mine, I, I actually listed weighted and unweighted GPAs. That's the grade point average. Um, I had to Google how to calculate a grade point average and you can Google weighted and unweighted and there are websites that give you the formula and you can figure that out. It's not that hard. Um, I'm not a math girl and I did it. Um, it's, it's, it's possible. And so different colleges. What's the difference be, before you go on? What's the difference between a weighted and an unweighted GPA? 
Hmm. So my understanding, <laughs> my understanding is that um, a traditional grade point average is based on a 4.0 scale. So that means that A is is worth four points, B is worth three, C is worth two, okay. D is worth one, and Z is and yeah. F is a zero. Um, a weighted GPA is going to be something like um, if if you if your child goes to um, school part-time or maybe takes an um, advanced placement course through a high school, um, those advanced cor courses have a different weight. They carry a different weight. So they are usually on a 5.0 scale. So that's mm -hmm. how you hear your friend, her daughter graduated high school with a 4.3 GPA. Well, you know, how do you get a 4.3 if if, if you're following a 4.0 scale, it's because those more advanced courses carry a greater weight. Um, so if it's an honors course, if it's an advanced placement course, or if it's a regular course, they have a different weight. Um, and and so, yeah, so you can really only call it advanced placement if it's, if it's an official advanced placement course, that's a, through the college board, there's a whole thing with that. Um, however, because my children did do dual enrollment, so they took college courses at the college while they were in high school, I assigned those college grades a 5.0 scale because they were college le le level. An advanced placement course is a high school course at the college level. So if they're taking college classes in high school, it stands to reason that they're gonna be weighted higher. And so that's going to affect their final GPA. And different colleges want different things. So um, when we applied to, to different universities, some wanted the unweighted GPA and some wanted to know the weighted GPA. The ones who wanted the unweighted GPA, they were going to calculate their own weight. So they were going to assign their own weight to, to the classes. Mm -hmm. So, Excellent. So we've been tossing around terms like GPA and credits, and let's stop for just a minute. How are credits assigned? Um, how do you figure out this math class? How many credits does it get? How, how, do, you, how do we generate that number? Typically, a, um, a high school class of one year is going to be, uh, it's going to be a credit, one credit. So like your um, world history will be a credit. Um, algebra one will be one credit um, and your science and et cetera. Um, all, you know, when you do government and economics um, that typically your senior year, that's government is usually a, just a semester. So then that's considered like a half credit. And then your economics is considered a half credit. So you would look at um, as you put something on your transcript, is it something that's only a semester? you would probably put it as a half credit. If it's a full year class, 36 weeks, you're going to put it as a one credit. Mm -hmm. um, I know that like I have put some of their sports that they do homeschool sports and we play basketball and that's a uh, like a semester season. So we put half credit. So they play basketball and show some of those items. But if it's something they're doing all year, if they've done choir, I will list that it's a one credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll pause here just real quickly to mention that the book that Sheila showed a little while earlier by Kathy Cohen, um, that's actually a giveaway for this event. And so 
just by attending this event, you are entered to potentially win that book. Um, but Sunlight carries that book. Um, so if you don't happen to win it, um, I would highly recommend, and so would Sheila, apparently, <laughs> um, getting that book. It is full of more than just building a transcript. It's full of a lot of um, very good resource material for taking your homeschooler through high school. But the transcript portion is especially effective. Um, we will also uh, be sending a follow-up email when this event is over and included in it will be links to a couple of different type of transcript samples. So um, yeah, homeschoolers have to create their own transcripts. You know, you either get the form from someone or create your own. And typically transcripts are put together in one of two ways. You either organize your transcript by subject and so you might have a transcript that um, has the header math, and then you list freshman math and sophomore math and junior math and um, whatever those classes are for each of those years, they're all listed together under math. And the same with English and history and science. Or you can create a transcript that is um, organized by school year. So in their freshman year, here are all the courses, the math and the science and the electives. Um, and you can organize it that way. Really, the organization of the transcript is up to you. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier, Sheila, you were talking about tweaking that transcript and maybe you could just share what would affect how you put a transcript together. Yeah, so just like um, when you put together a job resume, when you're applying for a particular job, if you are applying for a job like say in graphic design, then you're gonna to wanna to highlight all of the skills that you have that would be suitable for that job. So any classes that you've had in art or you know, drawing, computer programming, that kind of thing, you're going to wanna to highlight that on your resume. But if you're applying for an administrative assistant position, they don't really care if you can do art. You know, they want to know that you can do Excel and Word and that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. the things that you highlight on your resume are tailored for the position that you are applying for. And it's the same thing with your transcript. Um, if you are applying to a Bible college, if your child wants to be a missionary or they want to be a music minister or whatever, and they're going to Bible school, then you're going to want to include every mission trip they went on, every Bible class, every Bible study that they taught or whatever, because that is important for that particular school. But if they're applying to a state university, they don't really care how much Bible you've had because there's whole separation between church and state stuff. So yes, you can still, if, if they've if they are very passionate about that, you can certainly include four years of Bible as a curriculum as an elective, but that's not gonna be the highlight that you are trying to emphasize. So if you're applying to a liberal arts school, then you wanna, uh, you want to highlight all of the liberal artsy kinds of things that they may have done theater and, you know, mm -hmm. debate and things like that. But if they're applying to a state university because they want to be an engineer, then you wanna highlight all their sciences and maybe clubs that they've been involved in and things like that. So you can really kind of tweak it. Um, I really tried to keep my transcript on one page, just like a resume is on one page. So mm -hmm. that page, you have limited um, 
real estate. You have limited real estate. So you may not list absolutely every single thing on that page, but you, but you could add an addendum that might go into further detail. But I have found that, um, so the one that Ju Judy is showing now is by grade. So 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. The other one was by subject. So they're just different. Um, I chose to do mine by subject. And this is why, because my son did core 100 or level 100 for high school in eighth grade. He did all the work. So he performed at a high school level, but it was in eighth grade. And if I didn't, if I didn't do it that way, then I could not have put that on his, on his transcript. And that was his American history credit. Like he needed it on his transcript. So I just put it by subject. Um, also, I have his transcript in front of me. He had five science levels and five math levels. Like he is a mechanical engineer now. So it's showing, you know, all the way through Calc 1, all the math that, that he had. I didn't even include Algebra 1 because I ran out of space. So we just started with Algebra 2 because he took Algebra 1 in seventh grade. And even though that counts for high school, I didn't have to include it because all the other math he had, you know, implied that he did do Algebra 1 at some point. So again, you want to highlight, depending on where you're applying, if, if it's um, the military academy, they may have different requirements. And so it's important to know what they're looking for, and that's how you can tailor your transcript. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did the same thing because I have my high schooler currently. He took math algebra one as an eighth grader, and I was running out of room, and mine is kind of listed by, um, by year. And so I don't have algebra one on his transcript and it, but it shows geometry and algebra two. And then we're showing our college maths, like college algebra, trig. And right now he's doing pre-calculus. So he was advanced math. So I just showed those and we're not showing some of the earlier classwork that he did. And really you could under ninth grade put algebra one parentheses taken in eighth grade just to show that they have had it. You could do that if you wanted to follow the ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th way of doing things, um, especially if they're not very mathy and you need that credit. Like if they're, all, if, if they're only going to have three credits of math, they're not doing pre-calc or trig or any of that stuff. They're just going to get algebra one, two and geometry and you need to show that they have three math credits, then you, know, you want to right. include that. Yeah. Right. And it's important to probably to mention here that um, each state's homeschooling regulations are slightly different, probably. Um, we know they are. And so you <laughs> want to make sure, too, that you check what your homeschool regulations are in your state for high schoolers. Um, Sheila mentioned three maths. Um, you know, some states require three years of math, some require four. Some states require two lab sciences. Some states require four years of English or composition. So you really need to be familiar with what those are as you head into high school, not only for planning, but also so that you make sure you demonstrate that you met all those requirements by way of your transcript. Yeah, and sometimes it's helpful to know as well, like um, what your state requirements are like on foreign language. Um, there, and they are really, some, it's kind of changed some, like my state, 
even you only have to have one foreign language instead of two foreign languages, though mine do have two foreign languages, two credits. Um, but you can also do things like sign language would be, could, could be considered um, if a foreign language, you can do computer programming. I have, uh, you know, my oldest, he has, he has done Spanish, but he has also done um, computer programming and that can count as a foreign language. So kind of reading up and you can usually Google and find those things um, to kind of help what is, and they have different levels too, or I have found like, here's what an honors looks like, um, you know, this many sciences and this many foreign language and, or this many electives. And so you know how to list your transcript on, you know, and give it something comparable and know how to list those on your, your child. Mm -hmm. So um, Tender, you mentioned that your oldest is doing some dual enrollment. Let's stop for just a quick second and talk about what is dual enrollment and why might that be a good decision to make? Um, dual enrollment is something newer. It wasn't around when I was coming out of high school, um, but it allows you most junior colleges or colleges in your area, you can look and they will offer college level classes for high schoolers. And so then if they do go to say a junior college or a college and take a class and they do really well, um, that counts as both a credit in their high school transcript, but it's also going to count towards, it'll be on their college transcript. So really, um, and most of the time they're cheaper. Some states, I think they're even free. free. Um, that free. Yeah. And then you are getting some of their, they, for my son, like, we're not going to be totally have all of his, he is looking at being an engineer as well. He's looking at mechanical engineering and he won't have a whole semester completed. So, but he looks like instead of like these 17, what the class requirements are looking that it's 17 hours per semester, he's knocked enough off of each semester by taking different classes that he will um, be more like 12 or 13 hours per semester versus um, a full 17 hour, which we thought, boy, that's a really heavy load um, for a new college student. So he's been able to work on that through his high school. And I've just had him take college classes as a junior and senior. I really didn't work, wasn't ready. Um, and you want to kind of be aware that, you know, especially if it's not a Christian college, I mean, the history they're going to have, um, the different, the liter literature that they're going to be looking at is going to be a completely worldview different than what um, your, probably what your student is used to. And so I wanted to make sure maturity wise too, they were ready to handle mm -hmm that and especially in that another thing to consider is are, they're going to be in a classroom with older students are the, are they at the maturity level that it's going to take um to take what it um to be able to handle that and so i would say you know you are the parent you and you may have some children that that's not a question that's not a problem at all but then others it's like mm, it, you might want to hold them back or you know and and not uh send them off for dual credit too early and just really make sure that the maturity is there to be able to handle the content but you know most uh, we were privileged we've done like a christian college and it was so easy to go in 
And then as he's shown proficiency, because he's taken dual credit classes mm -hmm. and he's had A's, he's eligible for scholarships now mm -hmm. as uh, being a college student. So those, it's really opened some doors for us. And one of the things you mentioned um, was true for one of our students. Um, my son uh, dual enrolled with the private Christian school that he was planning on attending when he got out of high school. And for his junior and senior year, he dual enrolled in enough classes that he actually completed almost all of his freshman year of college before he got there. Um, and so he then, um, one of the perks of attending the same school that he dual enrolled with, they gave him back the tuition money so that those dual enrolled <clears throat> classes were free. And he also finished his bachelor's degree in three years instead of four. Wow. Um, so there are a lot of benefits to yes. at least researching dual enrollment options for your students. They're not required. Not every student does it. I, one of mine did not. Uh, so it just, it depends on the student and what their post high school plans are. Yes. I, and I, I, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really liked it so that I am, you know, like Sheila, I'm not necessarily gifted in the math. So, and my son is. And so as he um, finished, you know, algebra one and geometry and algebra two, I was like, I'm ready for you to go do dual credit and you can do trig and you can do pre-calculus and um, I am not your teacher. So that is what <laughs> he has done the higher maths in high yeah. school and he is doing that at the college. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we learned, because um, my two that were homeschooled through high school did do dual enrollment in their junior and senior years. Um, one of the things that we learned was that they really need to take courses and this may be different for you in your state, et cetera, but in our state, and they did go to state universities and they took their um, dual enrollment classes in the junior college level, com community mm -hmm. college. So what I liked about it is that because they were both in the state university system, they the credits transferred no problem. They were accepted. Um, they did, they tried to take courses that would A, fulfill their high school level stuff that they needed, but mm -hmm. also would fulfill their entry level freshman year stuff. So they took like English 1101 and 1102 and got that out of, out of the way. Um, they both took college algebra. Um, and then I think, uh, I know Timothy did uh, pre, pre calc. I think Annie did pre calc as well. Yes. And then Timothy also took calc one. Um, however, because it was the state university program, it, it was fine. But if you are going to be going from a private school to a public school or vice versa, they may not recommend like they will accept the high school credit but they may not accept it as their college level stuff mm -hmm. if they if it is in their major so like for timothy who was doing engineering and he took calc one had he taken it somewhere else it might not have transferred he would have had to take calc one again because they want if they're awarding a um a bachelor's in that field, they want to know that it's to their standard. So mm -hmm. they're going to require those courses to be within their 
control, if you will. So, so the elective yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah, fine. At, you know, humanity, sure, whatever. Um, as long as you're not like a psychology major. But so if it's in your field, probably stay stay away from. If it is elective, then you can go ahead and take it, and it's probably going to be okay. So, yeah. Good point. Get those general education, those gen ed classes out of the way um, before they actually start. And then they can focus on their field and the right. classes that are tied to their major. So yeah, so that's a little rabbit trail there on dual enrollment, but I think a valuable one. Yes. So let's talk um, a little bit about um, Sunlight High School programs. How do you assign credits for those? So we talked a little bit about what credits are worth. So let's talk just briefly for a minute how you would assign credits, say, to um, Sunlight's level 300, the 20th century world history. Um, what credits did you guys assign to that? So I did. Go ahead, Sheila. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I called it modern world history, um, just so that it's a little bit more recognizable. And that's another thing too, is that you get to, just because Sunlight has assigned it a name doesn't mean that you can't change the name. I mean, you can't reinvent it. You know, American history can now, not now be, you know, outer space history or whatever. I mean, it, it does still have to tie in with the topic, but just because Sunlight has assigned it a name doesn't mean you have to call it that name. So for 20th century history, we called it modern world history. And I assigned one credit for history one credit for English, which would be comp and lit. Um, and then, like I said, I did not include Bible on my transcript because I was running out of room. But if you, if you were, you could also assign it a Bible credit because you are covering all three of those subjects with that one core class. And then of course you, you would have a math credit, whatever math they took in, in ninth grade and then a science credit and then whatever electives they took. So if they're taking, mm -hmm piano lessons, if they are doing, um, you know, if they're playing college, uh, not college, high, high school level sports, club sports, you could assign um, soccer or whatever. Um, they might be taking photography with a friend, you know, so think about also electives that you could be assigning for each year, because you're going to need more than just four times three credits, uh, yeah. four, four times four credits. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and those electives, typically electives are um, a class that you take either for one semester or maybe one or two days a week out of an entire school year. So a lot of electives, typically, you would assign a half credit to those. Um, but overall, much like Sheila described, feel free to um, rephrase the titles or the labels that you put on the different classes. Um, Sunlight is not an accredited program. In other words, we as a company don't assign credits. So you as the director or instructor of your homeschool have that freedom to assign those credits. So um, one of the other resources that we will send in that follow-up email that you will get from us is our ebook on creating transcripts. So that would be a helpful resource and included in there is a chart with suggestions for how you might assign credits to each one of Sunlight's high school programs. So another valuable resource. 
So, wow, we have covered a lot of information here. How about we just kind of start to wrap all this up and draw it together in a neat little package. Um, what general suggestions, tips, or ideas that we haven't already uh, shared might you offer here as we bring this to a close? So, I think, go ahead, Amber. I mean, <laughs> sorry. Um, I just wanted to say that don't be intimidated. It's not as hard as it looks. I, I remember feeling anxious and um, wondering, you know, can I do it? And how is this going to work? And really, as we have navigated this, I mean, it is, it's, it, it, there's some detail work on keeping up with grades and putting that in a transcript where you can find it again, because you will be editing, you're going to need to do it every year. Um, maybe every semester you need to be editing that and adding in, you know, they've completed this. Um, and so give them the grade and um, calculate that GPA. Um, I, pretty much like that 4.0 GPA, you know, if they made an 89.9 in algebra one, you can just divide it by 25 and that will give you your scale. Like that would be 3.6 on the, um, and put it in the transcript. But like Sheila had said, you can find all of that information um, on how to calculate the GPAs. So I would just say it's not as hard. Uh, this has not been as hard as I thought and intimidating as I thought. And as we have navigated and then started down um, dual enrollment and then looking now at college entry, he is accepted now where he's been doing dual enrollment that it, it wasn't um, as hard as I thought it was gonna be. So be encouraged. <laughs> Yeah, and I would also like to say, don't wait till the very end to start putting it together. Like, come up with the template now, start plugging it in now, gather the information as, as you get things um, collected, because you will forget. When my son was applying to college and he's like, mom, you know, it's asking questions like, what volunteer stuff have I done? I was like, oh my gosh. So racking my brain, you know, like collect that information. If they do volunteer in the nursery at church or if they volunteer at the library filing books or whatever, like write those things down, keep a little folder. If they get any kind of award, if they're involved in any kind of clubs, any of those things, just write it down because you will forget. And then you're going to be racking your brain, trying to remember going through pictures and stuff like that. So every so often, like, Tender said at the end of every semester, so at Christmas time-ish, when you're, you know, when the kids are on break, just take take a little time, write things down, update your um, uh, transcript. It's really easy to build in um, in a software program like mine is just an Excel program. I mean, it, that's all it is. Um, and so just update it regularly. Don't wait till twelfth grade. That would be my two cents. Yes. And much like we've said, you can tweak it. And when I listen to all that you're suggesting they keep track of, Sheila, um, you can add attachments to your transcript. Maybe you keep a list of all their volunteer activities. Um, maybe you include whatever your grading scale was um, for their high school classes. Um, or maybe you keep a list, especially if they're going into an English or literature oriented major, um, maybe they keep a log of all the literature that they work through during their high school years. Whatever, again, is going to most sell them or 
perk up their resume for uh, their college experience can certainly be added to that. And digitally, I mean, this is a digital age. Um, that transcript should go uh, digitally. Most colleges have a process for uploading all of that information. Digital signatures are, are absolutely legitimate. Um, and so, like Sheila said, an Excel spreadsheet is a great uh, way to create a transcript. You can do it in any software, really, any office-type software. But um, a spreadsheet software makes it especially easy. All right, I think we've covered probably more than people needed to hear, but hopefully um, we have shared something that's going to help make your high school transcript process a little bit easier. Um, again, be sure to watch for that follow-up um, email that's gonna come after the event is over so that you can get those resources um, to help with planning your high school transcripts. Ladies, as always, um, it's been a pleasure working together. I appreciate your time and experience and uh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you.